Listening to the Talking Spirit Anime Cast. My name is Andrew, and I'm joined here with Chris. Are we? It's been a long time, so I'm not sure. It's been some time. Yes. <laughs> We're from the TalkingSpirit.com website, where you can go for all of our anime, new and old, great community, and formal links to the top. Social media links to the right side. I think it's all still there. Pretty sure. Pretty sure. Wait, I should say yo, right? You didn't, but I don't think you have to. Oh, okay. <laughs> It's been some time, yes. Uh, we're finally back. It's time to kick things off. Go right into our reviews for fall, which were technically like a week behind, maybe two weeks. Yeah, we're 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 finishing up the show, and it's 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 nice, I guess, for once. So you don't have to worry about like, is this show really over? Because sometimes there's some shows that doesn't even show what their like full show time is going to be. It's like we know because literally last episode was like three weeks ago. Yeah, so. It is nice to <laughs> be able to kind of finish everything and not worry about what is actually going to complete by the time we do a review. But at the same time, we're also kind of late for everybody wanting to know what our impressions on things were. we're I think like, they'll forgive us. We're already kicking into the the winter season, and we haven't watched a single thing for winter yet. Yeah. So, it is what it is, but uh, we're happy to be back. Um, thank everybody for the patience. We, we've never really, I think in the... When we're at, what, five or so years of us doing this, we never really had a weekend where we didn't have a full podcast. So It's true. That would have been the first time for several weeks that we didn't have anything. But I was trying to sprinkle little reviews that literally are two years old <laughs> into there. <laughs> uh, thanks for people pointing that out. It's like, yeah, technically they are about two years old. It's been a you know in our backlog. But I wanted to sprinkle something in there so that we still had things going. People didn't think the podcast was done. So Did they get their show that they've been asking for? For a long time? No, I think we're like one more, and then we'll be there. So <laughs> I, I, I don't think it's going to live up to expectations at all. I don't think so either. <laughs> at least I don't think the person that keeps asking for it, or the the people that keep asking for it, have stopped. So maybe they finally gave up and moved on to other podcasts or something. Hopefully not, but uh, yeah. So yeah, we do have uh, two review podcasts for the fall season, so we'll be going through all that. Um, I know the second one's probably going to be pretty jam-packed. That's because we have a lot of shows that are kind of leaking on into the next season. Uh, but that was kind of the case with Fall. We have a lot of shows that are ending in this season that were kind of carryovers. But there's still plenty to talk about that are 
you know, not multi-cores that, you know, people might be excited about. So it's not all multi-core shows. So, And then we'll go into our deliberations. I'm not sure if we're going to record deliberations tomorrow or maybe next week on Sunday or something. we got to figure out when we're going to do that because that's always a uh, get the coffee out, sit down, and, yeah. and record it's, for a long period of time. It's going to be an interesting one. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, we might talk about a little bit about the uh, Anime Awards because that's, that's kicked off as well. If you have not known already, Anime, Anime Awards for Crunchyroll, they're currently doing the voting. So get on there and cast your votes for the best of the year. I think they did a pretty good job of kind of you know, spanning out a lot of shows, which was kind of uh, void the previous year. So <laughs> it seems to be improving. So check that out if you if you will. But without further ado, I guess we should jump into the reviews because I'm sure there's people that are jumping in here just to get the reviews and don't want to hear all this stuff. So are you ready? Let's do it. All right. We have in this episode, Cautious Hero or Araisuki. Are you the only person who loves me? High school prodigies have it easy in another world. Uh, a sentence of a bookworm. Fairy Gone 2, Vinland Saga, Dr. Stone, and Didn't I Say to Make My Abilities Average in the Next Life? I probably should have split two of those because that's just me on those two, but that's fine. That's fine. I, I need some warm-up. I need yeah. to get back into the podcasting, so that works out. That's all right. I feel a little bit kind of weird right now, too, so we'll get it. We'll get, the, we'll get this, do this always, together. You're Andrew. always weird. Am I? Yes. That's oh, well, there. damn. You do seem more excited than usual, so maybe maybe the break helped you out. There we go. There you go. <laughs> break helped out Chris to get more excited. But yes, the first one is Cautious Hero. The hero is overpowered, but overly cautious. Or, here we go. Andrew, gotta get back into reading really long Japanese titles. Shinsho Yusha Kono Yusha Ga Ore Tue Kuse Ni Shinsho Sugiru. This one was streaming on Funimation and Hulu. Ran for 12 episodes, done by Studio White Fox. Source is a light novel. Genres are action, adventure, comedy, fantasy. Serious composition by Kenta Ihara, who did Saga of Tony the Evil and script work for Ajin and Vinland Saga. And yes, this one follows, I guess it starts out following a goddess named Restarte. And Restarte is part of many other go- uh, goddesses in this heavenly location. And <laughs> it kind of starts off pretty quickly talking about how she's very... she's pretty green she's kind of rookie uh low class healing goddess and uh she's been tasked with an s rank world that she has to protect so basically every now and then these goddesses and gods are tasked with getting a hero from another world uh kind of bringing them to a different world and having them defeat the demon lord in that world and s rank ones are like really really hard so it's kind of a little daunting for her uh but she ends up finding like the best possible candidate who's, like, super strong and everything. So she summons that person, which ends up being Seiya, and then goes off into this other world, this S-rank world, where she has to defeat the Demon Lord with this hero. And, of course, there's other aspects to this. The uh, the fact that there's stats in these worlds. They kind of joke about the fact that they purposely choose Japan because there's so many stories in japan that people read that are about being isekai <laughs> yeah. so it kind of takes a little jab at the isekai kind of aspect uh but it is, it is basically a full-on comedy granted it does get pretty dark at times which are kind of surprising and um kind of catches you off guard but for the most case it's kind of just the goofy humor of the fact that seiya as the title would lead you to believe is extremely over cautious like if he goes to a potion shop he's probably going to want to buy a thousand potions or a thousand herbs 
or a thousand remedies. Uh, He's like he goes bordering to on the edge of like paranoid, you know, type guy. <laughs> yeah, he goes to a, an armor shop and he wants to buy armor, but then a backup for the armor and then a backup for the backup of the armor <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. He, he randomly goes in and pours uh, uh, holy water on a on a priest. Why? Because how did you a, know? He might be a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> how many holy uh, waters do you want? I want a thousand of them. Uh, yeah, he, he's he's extremely overly cautious, and and I guess that's the kind of counter to Ristar, who wants to kind of get this stuff done and over with. Let's go, but then say is constantly going. No, let's go back to the heavenly place. To port us back to the, your your home so that I can train because time in this heavenly zone is kind of like extremely slow. Like, um, you know, I don't know what it was like, probably day to like a minute in the real world. So he'd go there and he would just there and work out and work out and work out. And she'd be bored waiting for him. And then they'd go back and he would just tear up things uh, because his stats would be so high. So, yes, what did you, you think of Cautious Hero? This one was actually quite a treat. Uh, it started out a little bit slow, but it definitely caught uh, caught its stride uh, fairly early on and just went nuts from there. It We're talking absurd nature of, of like Andrew was saying, Seiya. Um, I, I think, honestly, Ristarte, even though she was um, – kind of annoying that sometimes she really really was the one that made this show her absurd reactions to pretty much everything that Seo was doing really sold everything on the show um especially when we got into the heavenly realm and some of the absolutely bizarre characters that are up in there um we got uh we we get ended up with some yanderes we ended up with some crazy uh <laughs> just Masochist. some of the training crap was just funny it just was a lot of fun i very much enjoyed myself watching this show yeah, it seemed like he takes turns like going to the heavenly realm working with one of the gods or goddesses to kind of train them and then somehow ends up breaking pretty much most all of them in some way <laughs> like i mean not break like physically just like break emotionally these people which is hilarious because it kind of started out with uh Circeus, and then at some point, Circeus like just wants to give up being a war god, and he wants to go and and just Make cook cakes, cakes. <laughs> just so he can get away from Seiya. Because <laughs> every time Seiya comes there, he's like, "Hey, we're gonna start again." And they would come back and find him, and he's in there beating Circeus as he's on the ground begging for help. <laughs> no, I, I I think the show really did start out really strong. I know the first couple episodes we were just just laughing out loud, just hysterically the entire time. And I think that's due to the fact that you have this really cool dynamic between Ristarde and, and Seiya where, like we kind of mentioned in the first impressions, it's literally Aqua, the goddess, meets Goblin Slayer from Goblin Slayer. Like this guy that's overly prepared for everything, very serious, let's get this done, not much emotion. And then you have the goddess who is just an absolute nut, completely dorky. But then you also add in, like, with Aqua, you also have, like, this extremely perverted side of her who she's, like, constantly drooling over Say as he's kind of working out or whatever. And so it added, like, a lot of humor to that. The only unfortunate thing is that I, I kind of was starting to feel scared about the show because we were watching this alongside, of course, uh, another show that's very similar to it, which was the um, the, 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 the Kima, um, I'm forgetting the name of it, the Animal Mask. 
the animal mask guy in the other world. And it was kind of like they both started out really strong, but animal mask kind of started dipping. And this one started dipping about the same exact time. Like after that first or second episode, it was like suddenly they, you kind of realize, okay, now I got the jokes. What are you going to do now? But this one kind of picked it back up after a while. I was very afraid. I think it was like, I don't know, the third or fourth episode. It was getting very kind of repetitive. I, it would do that thing where say I would try to nuke something after it's dead over and over and over again. I'm like, yeah, you've done that joke. Okay, let's do something else. And I think it wasn't until they started messing with the gods and goddesses where I'm like, okay, cool. Now you got this another kind of dynamic you're throwing into it. That's really, really funny. And you're able to carry it on. So it did, it did have a little fear in there in the early episodes after it's really fantastic start that it would kind of lose its steam really quickly. Cause it kind of was, uh, but I think the other thing that kind of helps also is, like I said, the the all the goddesses and gods and adding those kind of chemistry with the different characters. Uh, but I was really surprised that it got shockingly dark with the show. Uh, it started, I think, with um, it, it started with the first person they fought, which was Ka- uh, Chaos Machina, and they had this whole thing where they he was you know going to go work out, and back at the you know the real world, she was going around executing civilians. And I was like, holy crap, this is like really dark and depressing right now because I can't blame Seiya because he knows that he needs to get stronger. Otherwise, he's going to dart out there and die. If he gets stronger, then you might lose a couple people, but he's going to be able to come back and rescue the rest of the people. And so it was that kind of that kind of gamble that he was taking just to get stronger. But it was like extremely dark in the middle of this goofy show that has this absolutely nutty goddess. So it was it, it is kind of. It's kind of one of those situations where I'm like, I don't know how I like having such a serious tone mixed in with comedy because I'm laughing in one moment and the next moment I'm going, wait, this isn't funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they did the same thing with uh, Bilbub, Bilbub dropping people. He called it what, creating fireworks or something, human fireworks or something like that. Backwards fireworks or something like yeah, that. Yeah, backwards fireworks. And then you had like the very end of it got like this really nice twist and it was very serious toned. I think for like the last two episodes, it was an extremely serious tone, uh, kind of throwing in this cool little twist to the entire story, giving it some kind of substance to everything they're doing, which was kind of cool. But at the same time, I'm going, okay, I'm not laughing anymore. Why am I not laughing in a comedy? So it, it, it is it is weird. I'm not saying that it's, it's breaking the show, having those kind of emotional, uh, those tonal changes, but at the same time, it, it was kind of odd to have it in there, but I don't dislike it at all so what's funny is it definitely sold the the light novel to me i mean am i gonna go out and buy it no i don't i'm not gonna pay a bunch of money for it but if i did have money to blow on it i definitely would it it's definitely sold that uh novel to me and it was cool that it it technically it had a really solid end to it and it's one of those endings where it kind of shows you that the store can open that something can be after this but I felt like this was a complete story. Yeah, and so I, I really like that aspect of it. It's like I, it, it's a light, it's a light novel thing where it wants you to read the light novel, but at the same time, it's not going. Oh well, let's introduce five million characters, like we'll talk about in, in a little bit. Uh, I don't. know if, Yeah, it was on this this particular review. Uh, we'll we'll talk about a show that does that. This one was very respectful about it. It, it had a very conclusive story ending to it, and then it said, "But there can be more if you want it," kind of thing. So. I did like that. So yeah, um, really solid show. Really liked it. Liked all the characters. Liked the uh, the bag carriers, <laughs> Edidu and Mash. 
Um, I, I kind of wish that they had a little more inclusion, but I know that was kind of the joke because I, I did like I did like certain aspects of Mash and Edu where they were kind of showing how they were progressing. They were constantly getting stronger, and he still didn't use them. <laughs> yeah, now Mash has the ability to completely turn, and then it's like, mm, yeah, carry the bags. <laughs> so, um, yeah, really, really cool show. I did really enjoy it. It did have some lulling points in the probably the the later first quarter, but it really did kind of pick it back up and. And make a, a pretty uh, solid show. So, And if you're still not sold, they have an elf tied up in a tree. And she's very, very close to being completely unclothed. Okay. Just just if, in case you guys are interested, you know, there, oh, there is oh. that scene in there. All right. There you go. <laughs> that is Cautious Hero. The hero is overpowered but overly cautious. Check it out. If I wonder want. how many people are actually going to go and watch the show just for that. <laughs> I know she masochistic, so I don't know. Oh, no, you're not supposed to say that. That was the whole joke. You killed really. my joke, Andrew. Not really. Arisuki, are you the only one who loves me? Or ore wo suki nano wa omai dake ka yo? Did you watch this one? I wanted to so bad. Oh. I never I- did get time. I'll, I'll save my comments. <laughs> So this one streamed on Crunchyroll Funimation and Hulu, ran for 12 episodes. Uh, I'll get to it later, but it does have an OVA coming. Uh, the sources connect, or the sources connect, <laughs> the studios connect. The source is a light novel. The genres are comedy, romance, school. And uh, this one follows a guy named Abatsuyu Kisaragi, who is a character that they kind of lay out as being the non-main character, like a side character. But uh, he has several girls that he is helping out. He has a childhood friend, Aoi Hinata, uh, and there is Sakura Akino, and Sakura Akino is the student council president. I, uh, this, the childhood friend, Aoi, she is also uh, a tennis player. And then you also have this other girl they find out later is uh, Sumireko Sanshounin, who is a girl that works in the library. But anyways, the main focus for the first few epi- or first couple episodes is how he is currently helping out his childhood friend and this uh, student council president. Anything they want, he kind of helps them out. He's kind of creating the persona of a main character of a harem who will kind of do anything to help out the girls while acting like he's a ditherer that doesn't know that they actually want his attention. So it's kind of playing out the typical protagonist as a joke. And uh, you kind of quickly... <laughs> find out that he has this other side to him, which is his inner self, which is, the, I, I, can think, I think they kind of describe it as being a jackal and Hyde kind of personality. He's helping out these girls, trying to be the main character, but he has this other side to him that's actually pretty mean. And uh, at some point, everything kind of starts falling apart for his relationship with these girls as uh, his really best friend character, who is a baseball player, uh, Toyo Uga, he at some point kind of sunshine. Yeah. Sunshine. I guess the, the, the main crux of the, the reason why it falls apart is each one of these girls at some point invites him to sit with him on a bench where it seems like they're going to confess their love to him. And then when they say, I really, really love it's sunshine. And that really devastates them because they want him to help them get with sunshine. 
And so after several times this happening throughout the story, it kind of becomes a joke because this idea of every time he sees a bench, he freaks out. Or sometimes there's benches in really stupid locations <laughs> just to facilitate the fact that this girl that he randomly meets wants to tell him something which he's not going to like, which was really funny. Um, so, yeah, it, it kind of falls apart after that as he's trying to help these girls get with Sunchan, But at the same time, he's kind of upset with the idea that he's not the main character and these girls are going after, you know, somebody else. Um, it kind of flips later on when he gets more closer to the girl at the um, the library, who he finds out is, as the title would lead you to believe, pretty much the only one that actually loves him. <laughs> See, th- there's like this whole thing with this um, baseball event um, that Sunshine was currently playing at, and they had a run-in together, and so there was like this love interest that built between the two of them, even though he doesn't have any kind of interest in this girl in the library, but she really, really does love him. So, I guess to describe the rest of the show, it's kind of this back and forth between characters trying to, him trying to become more of a protagonist character and gain the interest of these girls, but at the same time, a lot of things kind of come his way. A lot of characters are trying to push love interests other ways. You find out that Sunshine's not as he seems. You find out pretty much everybody in this entire show aren't what they seem. That seems to be the going thing that never surprised me after the third time it happened. So, um, my thoughts on the show. I I thought it was hilarious the beginning of it. I, I really did like this idea of this protagonist, or this, yeah, technically a protagonist, um, not being the main character of the harem that he believes he is. Um, I thought it was kind of funny. The bench thing was hilarious. The problem that I had with the show is that it seems like a lot of the comedy is really revolving around kind of either deprecating, uh, just being very nasty to other people. And that seems to be the ongoing thing, um, which I, I find is funny. But at the same time, when it – I don't know. It's, it's deceptive, I guess, is the, ba- the main thing. is deceptive because you have after, – after he finds out that everybody's wanting to actually get with Sun, his best friend – uh, they have a lot of this kind of inner dialogue where he was like, yeah, sure, I'll help you out. And they would have like this cut to his inner ma- ma- dialogue saying, yeah, you know, screw you, B, or whatever. Just uh, calling them offensive names in his own mind as he's helping them out. And it really didn't make any sense to me because he – it never really explains him changing thought process from that. But yet he was constantly trying to help these people and do good. But – it never explained his inner message, which was that he really hates them. And so without that kind of transition of showing me, oh, he realized that he these people aren't terrible people and that he really does like them as friends or as, you know, possible love interests, it just, it seems off-putting that he was so, deprec- you know, uh, negative to these people inside of his own mind, which I guess is the whole Jekyll and Hyde thing, but... I don't know. I I I liked a lot of the characters. I just I couldn't grow to like the show personally because I didn't like how much backstabbing was in these characters. Everybody seemed like they hated each other one minute, wanted to be friends the next minute, then hate each other again the next episode. And I never really got a full grasp of everybody's personality because they were constantly seemed to be at odds with each other, even though they're all friends. So. I don't know. I just I, the comedy was so reliant on that as an element of backstabbing and bad mouthing each other 
that I never really got a sense of really liking any of the characters in the show. And, I, and it was even to the point where you had, like, the later characters that would show up, uh, you know, past episode four or so. Every time a character would show up, I would already know that that person's probably going to have some really nasty side to them that we're going to reveal in the next episode when they they unfold the entire uh, plot of the character to do one thing or another, to get with somebody of the group or something like that. So, I don't know. I, I really wanted to enjoy this show. I did like a lot of the character designs. I I did like a lot of the characters towards the later parts of it. I, Sakura Akino, I didn't really care much for the beginning. I started liking her in the later parts of it. Um, it's just I didn't really like how nasty the characters were, especially the main character. I thought he was a really nasty character from the beginning to the end. And me liking a show often does uh, really require a main character that is, you know, at the front stage the entire show to be somewhat likable. Uh, there was even the aspect that they, you know, the whole title with the, the only person who loves me having that love for interest. The only reason that he sticks around is because she reveals that she has boobs. It's like, that's not romance or the, you know, love in any way, shape or form to me. So I have no respect for this character because he's literally like, no, you're a disgusting human being. I'm leaving. And then she goes, oh, by the way, I got boobs. And he goes, oh, crap. Suddenly I want to stay here and sit down next to you and, and eat cake with you because you have boobs. And it just, I don't know, just just a cast that I really didn't like and uh, a comedy that was just not my taste. And, of course, before anybody gets angry, it's love, you know, comedy is subjective. So what works doesn't work for me is probably going to work for somebody else. It That abusive nature just didn't work for me for comedy. And so that was technically what it was relying on for the most part. The other issue, another really big issue for the show is that it doesn't have an ending. It got to the 12 episode, seemed like it was going to come to conclusion, and then they suddenly spark up some really big, huge competition, and it goes, all right, see you later, and then it says basically, see you in the Blu-ray for the last episode, for this last match. And it's like, Wow, okay, <laughs> I don't have an ending. Awesome, thank you. And it's not, it's like it's not a light novel bait, it's like a Blu-ray bait. So, usually Blu-ray bait's like, yeah, there was a censorship here that you can get rid of if you buy the Blu-ray. No, this one's like, literally, you want the conclusion of the show? Buy the Blu-ray. So, I guess in, I don't know, a year, whenever somebody, I guess in Funimation releases on Blu-ray, they maybe they'll possibly put the... Well, Funimation is pretty crappy about OVAs, so yeah, I wouldn't trust them too much. Make sure to check the episode count if you decide to buy the Blu-ray. Make sure it says 13, unless they decide to sell it separately as a full Blu-ray. I don't know. I don't know. It's It's got some fun points in it. It's got some cute characters. There are some characters I did enjoy. It's just, like I said, a lot of the comedy really did rely on abusive natures, and I, I don't particularly like that kind of comedy, so... Check it out if, if that kind of stuff works for you. I'm sure it's absolutely hilarious for some people, so check it out. I don't I don't say that nobody can. Moving on. We have high school prodigies, have it easy in another world, or Chosen Kokyosei Tachi wa Isekai Demo Yo Yo de Iki Nuku Yo Desu. This one's straight on Crunchyroll around for twelve episodes. The studio is Project Number Nine. The source is light novel. These genres are fantasy. The series composition is by Hitomi Mieno, who did Amanchu, Etotama, Flying Witch, and script work for Assassin's Pride. 
this one follows several prodigies in the real world. We have Tsukasa, who is kind of like a political genius. Aoi, who is a samurai. Masato, who is like an economics genius. Uh, Ringo, who is a engineering genius. Akatsuki, who is a magician. Shinobu, who is a reporter and also a ninja, apparently. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> Ken, who is Kene? Kene? I guess that's how I pronounce it. Kene? Kene? Kena is a uh, like a medical genius. So these are all like I don't know, very young kids who are just prodigies in all these different aspects. And at some point, I think it was Sukasa invited them all to go on a plane somewhere together. And I guess they flew over the Bermuda Triangle or something. But their their plane crashed, but it crashed in another world. So Isekai plane. We got uh, we got. You know, truck coon who these Sekai people. Now we have plane coon, apparently. Maybe this will be a thing going forward. But anyways, uh, as they're in this other world, this uh, very small village of kind of halflings decides to uh, rescue them from the rubble and bring them back to health. And in showing their gratitude, they kind of help out that village. Um, at some point, the a local... Um, kingdom ends up connect, uh, kidnapping uh, one of their townsmen and takes her off into their kingdom and thinks that they destroyed pretty much most of the halflings by burning them down inside of a, a little hut. And uh, it kind of comes to a decision by each of the members that they are going to technically evolve the, or I guess push their the technology of that world forward by assisting them in certain ways by taking on the kingdom and rescuing this girl and pushing their, I guess, knowledge and technology forward because they're going to have to fight back because you can't just take on a kingdom and not expect war to come. So that's kind of the gist of, of I guess, the, the the elements of this particular isekai that makes it a little bit different than most isekais is kind of pushing this element of reality to it. These kids don't have you know, insane powers when they go to this other world, they just have their smarts. So they have to use their smarts to help progress the people that they're helping, pushing for their technologies and their abilities to take on an entire kingdom of kind of nasty rulers that want to control with an iron fist. So, and mayonnaise. And mayonnaise. And mayonnaise. This one, to me, was... To me, this is actually like the the kind of diamond in the rough. It's not a beautiful diamond. It's not perfect. It's, but it definitely was something that absolutely took me by surprise. When 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 me and Andrew were talking about this, this could go one of two ways. Either they're going to nail it, or they're going to fail miserably on this. And I would actually say they surpassed even my expectations of if they could nail it. Now. There is definitely flaws in this show. This is not a perfect show. It has big-time problems. But as far as what it is on the box, the label on this box, which is they are these seven kids that are coming to this world and they use their smarts to progress this world, they do that. And they do it surprisingly well. Sukasa actually pulls off some really intriguing things when when you when a lot of his scenes are um interestingly well thought out um you get to talking about how they 
what kinds of things they're actually doing and what are the repercussions of doing these things. You've got um, Ringo, who's doing some very interesting things with um, kind of the different um, technologies that she's bringing to the world. Um, it's, so it is, it's, it's a really fascinating thing that they do. I really, really loved Masato's, uh, the, the uh, capitalism guy. I loved his part and, and kind of the things that he was doing in there. So all in all, I was really, really surprised at what they actually were able to uh, to bring forward in this story. So I had a lot of fun with it, and I highly suggest it. It was funny because when it, when it starts out, it's like, okay, Sekai... Uh, it, it, I guess from the get-go, it was a little bit kind of goofy when you had like... It kind of introduces each one of them, and I'm like, yeah, I, I guess I can see a political genius kid going up on the stage and, and speaking to a, a government or something like that. Okay, I can see, you know, a girl being, you know, super smart about medical, uh, you know, medicine and, and performing a surgery, maybe. Uh, I can see kid doing a magic trick to make the, you know, Statue of Liberty disappear. And then you get, like, Shinobu who's jumping off of a, a skyscraper and Nin Nin... F- floating like a, a flying squirrel all the way down and and then Aoi running through a battlefield in, I don't know, Afghanistan or something and slicing up soldiers with her katana. I'm like, okay, a little suspension of disbelief. All right, we'll go, we're good. It does the whole Isekai thing. You get a cool little French kiss with the elf girl and Sakasa. All right. And at some point, Masato leaves and starts creating this like entire... Uh, this entire company of of you know purchase and buying and selling and creates his own marketplace and everything like that and I'm like okay cool I can kind of see where this can kind of be a cool idea for an isekai show and then you have this point in which uh, Luru she gets capped, kidnapped and then Sukasa has like a really serious moment with the villagers like okay we we can't you you have to let her go because if you go in there. You're, they're going to come back and kill you all. There, there's no doubt about it. You can't just go in there and just rescue her. This doesn't work like that. And he was he was fighting back his own desire to go rescue her. You know, they show the whole, you know, bleeding fist thing that they always do. But it was really cool in the idea that he's he's literally telling his people, look, the only way we can do this is if we advance you. And it was a very troubling decision that he would have to make. Like, they didn't really want to go, okay, guys – we can give you guns and we can give you missiles and we can uh, give you new medicines and all this kind of stuff to advance you guys into, you know, modern ages. They wanted them to make the decision because it was going to completely affect the world in whatever they do. And that was the thing that really intrigued me. It was like this aspect that it wasn't like I mentioned earlier, Isekai, everybody's super powerful and they, they blast everything out of their way and they rescue the world and become superheroes it was, do you want a nuke? This is going to change everything. They they were they were pretty awesomely serious about that. The whole idea of even creating a nuke is just the idea of creating equality so that you can go to the table to create peace. All these little elements they were kind of sprinkling in was really, really cool because they were taking it in a serious tone. I think the only thing that kind of threw it out of the realm of, even though you are talking about a fantasy world and elves and magic. The only thing that kind of pulled it out of like that grounded reality was 
I guess Ringo, I, I really like Ringo as a character, but it was like she suddenly out of nowhere is just mass produces, producing large amounts of metal and creating gigantic factoring in like a matter of days. And it was like, okay, she kind of breaks that. She kind of creates that desire for suspension of disbelief. Um, having the samurai girl running with a missile. <laughs> that, was, that was what, that was my, extremely my moment. Cheesy. <laughs> that was extremely cheesy, even though I love Aoi. I, I, I really do like all the characters. Um, there was a certain character that I wish that they would not, they kept bringing him back and I got really sick of how often they brought that person back to keep fighting them. But it, overall it was a really enjoyable show and it did, did like Chris, it really did surprise me. I, I really wasn't expecting much of it. Uh, it did manage to make it, the red couch basically. Well, one of the, one of the things that I, th- I think that kind of gets lost in, in what we're talking about yet, other than the fact that there is weight to everything that they're, they're discussing, there was actually a weight so that these characters, even though they're quote unquote overpowered by, by being super smart, there was still a weight to um, this person is against them and they can't just finish that situation. And there is repercussions to this person actually let, – let's, let's say missiles going this direction and mis- missiles going this direction – both have the ability to mass murder people, and that weight did go uh, by a lot of the the decisions that they were making. Yeah, I, I did like that they were always kind of cautious of what they were deciding to do, which really did kind of lend itself to. And it was funny because, like, even I even felt a little chill when they were when they were pushing the idea of even having the create a nuke. I don't think it was. I don't know if it was technically a an atom bomb or anything like that. It didn't really kind of show a mushroom crowd or anything like that, but I would assume that it, it was a very large, you know, massively destructing, uh, bomb they created. And it, and it really did have this whole moment where Sukasa is like apologizing to Ringo. Like, I, I, I'm sorry that I'm making you create this. This is me. Don't ever think it's you. So it, it did kind of have that element of like, it felt like, you know, a a Japanese person creating a, a bomb of mass destruction knowing that, you know, Japan was reshaped by that at some point. And I, I really did like that. It, it didn't feel like they were doing it just because they had the power to. They felt like this is something they don't want to do, but they have to do it. So, yeah, it very, it very much surprised me. Um, It does have the, the, the light novel aspect to it as well. They introduced, like, I don't know, like, three characters that were staying together at some point at the last episode. Uh, they revealed the big bad guy at the very last episode, and then they kind of cut it off. So I haven't heard anything about a sequel, which is unfortunate, but just just know that it it did kind of leave me wanting more and feeling like it got cut off. So not terrible, but it was there. Like, they did have a big bad that was in the season itself that they did kind of conclude on but there is um technically a bigger bad and they allude to it in the last episode and then kind of cut it off which is kind of unfortunate so keep that in mind going going into it i thought i think i i think the only thing that was also cheesy was the whole creating a cult with mayonnaise (laughs) i don't know who in the world would accept a deity because they're given mayonnaise but i guess in a world that doesn't have mayonnaise or most you know modern day foods might see mayonnaise as like a 
I don't know, some kind of honey succulent that is life-changing. Mayonnaise is pretty awesome. Roko really liked mayonnaise. Ruko. She just would cover her stuff with mayonnaise. There's some etchy aspects to it as well, so keep I that in mind. I, I'd have to Bats see her her, stuff. her uh, kana because I've seemed to remember them. Calling I, th- her I think Ruka. they call her. No, I think they call her Ru. Ru. Yeah, I think they call her Ru for Ruko, but it it's spelled wrong. So who knows? All right. Um. Again, that is high school prodigies have it easy in another world. A another surprising isekai that manages to kind of change it up a little bit. So. Another isekai that managed to change it up a little bit is Ascendance of a Bookworm, or Honzuki no Gekokujo Shisho ni Naru Tame ni wa Shudan wo Iran derare masen. My gosh, it's a long word. Streaming on Crunchyroll, running for 14 episodes. It does have a season two that is premiering in spring 2020. Uh, the studio is Aijia Do. The source is light novel. The genres are slice of life fantasy. And this one follows a girl. I don't remember her actual name. It follows a schoolgirl who was a massive bookworm. Uh, had some troubles in school, but at some point she is struck by a vehicle. Truck-coon enters the scene. And uh, she is reincarnated into the body of a girl named Mine. And uh, Mine seemed to have been very sickly, very frail. Uh, and at some point, she was isekai'd into Mine's body. Kind of took over a lot of the memories that the that Mine had at the time. And thus kind of was placed upon this family. And the family is a poor family in the kind of commoner side of a kingdom. Uh, they do have different kind of uh, they have a class structure, they have commoners, they have noble, they have military, they have the church, all that kind of stuff that separates a lot of these different groups of people. And uh, she's kind of trying to take get a grasp of where she's at. She does realize really quickly that the body that she has been placed in is very frail, it's very young, um, can't move very far before kind of get, getting a fever and going back into like an illness, like a, a very high fever does. She does, like I said, she does have a lot of the memories of mine. So she does recognize uh, her mother. She recognized her sister, her father over time. She's kind of really quickly getting a little bit of uh, withdrawals, book withdrawals. So she's looking everywhere for a book to read. Uh, she can't find any books cause their family's poor. Uh, she comes to find out once she goes to the marketplace with her mother, Eva that uh, there are books in this world, but they are extremely expensive, and they're pretty much only for nobles and for churches. And so she decides, you know, a good thing to spend her time is just to create books. She has the knowledge of modern times. She knows how to create paper and all this kind of stuff. So she goes through the whole process of trying to find the materials to create her own books, write her own stories, because she has a desire to become a librarian. So... She just has to create her own library in the process. But, like I said, her body is very frail. She does get sick often. That kind of limits her what she can do. Um, she does have people that she can rely on. She has a a group of boys that knew mine before she took over the body. And, uh, namely, Lutz, who is um, the younger of the brothers, who helps him out. He's a, you know, a son of a carpenter family, I believe. And so he has that kind of skill to help her out. 
And yeah, kind of find out later, a little bit later, that uh, the reason why Mind's body is so weak and why she constantly is thrown into a fever is because of this illness that very few people, especially the commoners, know about called the devouring, which is kind of a effect that kind of triggers every now and then and can co- and that can pretty much kill her at some point. So that's a added wrench into the mix. But she catches the interest of uh, some guild masters and makes some deals and tries to push to her goal. So thoughts on Ascendance of Bookworm. Oh, so you want me to take break the news first? Sure. I love this show. Um, this is easily probably my favorite of the season. I, I'm pretty, pretty sure of that. Um, so yeah, I, there, I have, I would be really hard pressed to find something that I didn't like in the show because I literally had so much fun watching it. I, I wanted to see mine doing things every week, week to week. That was something that we just it was hard to miss it. Even when Andrew was gone, it was so hard not to jump ahead. This show was brilliant for me. I, I loved the um, interactions between the the different characters, the um, bickering uh, or the, the kind of haggling over cells between the different characters. Um, mine's constant desire to get to books somehow that that was her little um kind of thing um her pressure from the different things that were attack the the devouring and how it was affecting her and her family's life all that stuff was just so brilliantly done such a well-told story the uh directing was on point the character artwork was absolutely gorgeous i love the characters in the show especially the baptism outfits. They were just so adorable. It's just a great show. I loved it. Yeah. I think the, the thing that really kind of, I think early on that we were kind of mentioning was that it was like extremely slow, but in a good way. Like it was, it, every time we would turn on an episode, it was like, it would just open up and you would just, we would just constantly be sucked into the show. And then by the, when it would come to a conclusion, you're like, crap, Where's the next episode? Because you were just absorbed into it and loving every minute of it. It just it just really felt very believable. It felt very kind of um, well told in the way that you just wanted to see mine succeed. She, you could see her struggle. You could see the fact that she was pushing this very frail body. You can, you're constantly going crap. Is she pushing it too far? She falls over again, and you're just going crap. I. She needs to get back up again. It was just constantly just rooting for her to succeed in whatever she was doing. And I, I think it was – it didn't really hit me until I was making the outline. It it was awesome how the show started out in this idea of I just wanted to see her make a book. Like I want her to make a book. Is she going to make a book yet? Man, come on. You can make this book. You need this library. You, you can do it. You could do it, mine. And at some point it turned into – Spice and Wolf. And I loved it. It was it, this whole aspect that at some point she gains the interest of this guild and she starts making kind of uh, contracts and the contracts are made by magic and blood and you have to fulfill these contracts and she's trying to work with this guild with the knowledge of modern times. Not overly doing it like we just mentioned with uh, 
you know, high school prodigies where it's like, oh, now she's going to go in there and say, oh, well, I know how to make a nuke. You want a nuke? <laughs> no, it was like little simple things like shampoo and crap. And and it's like, oh, well, you just mix these herbs and put it in water and, and some oils. And then everybody's like, holy crap, how's your, your hair like this? Oh, well, let me show you the shampoo. Selling things like that and creating kind of um, – creating a – a worth in the world. Like she has this dollar bill amount put to her because she has all this knowledge. These guys are like, holy crap, what did you make now? Did you sell it? No, why didn't you sell it? You could have made so much money. That kind of thing was constantly being thrown around. And so it felt very, it had a lot of this uh, economy stuff that were kind of thrown in there that I really did like because she is this very young girl trying to basically uh, – work out bids and stuff with people that are, you know, this is their practice. This is what they do on a daily basis. And it was really awesome in that regard. But that was also kind of throwing that wrench in there where people kind of start going, is this really mine? Who are you kind of thing? And I really did like how, how well they handled that kind of stuff. It was, they had a certain episode where somebody comes to the realization and I'm like, they can either pull this off or it can be very mediocre. And they really did pull it off. And I was, I really did like how they handled that kind of stuff. So it's like it is an underdog tale because she is very frail. She can't move much. She's always constantly uh, held back, held back by the body that she was placed in. I even had like early on when we were talking about in the first impressions. I'm like, I don't. I kind of wonder if this girl died. Like, did she did she possess a body, or was the was the person that was in there was she already dead? And did she just get placed in there? Maybe she died by the devouring or something. And it's, it's, it was really a cool little story that I, I'm really glad that it got like an extra three episodes. They had like a delay and then they pumped out like three episodes on like December 25th. And then they announced like the, another season that was going to come in spring. And I'm going, thank goodness. Cause I just want to keep going. I want to keep this story going. Um, cause it was going to, it was literally one of those ones that came to a point where I'm like, I might have to get the light novel because I really do love this world. Well, I don't like the world because it's kind of harsh. Uh, she's not living in a great place. Um, they had at some point in the later parts of it, they didn't really deal with it much throughout this entire core, but they didn't until the very end of it. They finally kind of had that moment where she got face to face with the class structure. Because mo- for the most show that she's in the common area, she can't really go much anywhere else. And then they have like this face to face counter this face-to-face encounter with uh, the class structure. And it it was almost really frightening when it kind of happened. It was like, oh, crap, that really does exist here. Like, everything is kind of fluffy. Very Even though you do have, like, her possibly dying, like, every two minutes, you suddenly have this class structure hit her in the face and this real idea of, oh, wait, yeah, that's right. Her and her family are technically just dirt. Like, nobody in a higher class is going to even flinch an eye at these people being killed or thrown in jail. And that really was kind of terrifying because we had, what, 12 or 13 episodes of absolutely loving this family. And then it kind of hits you in the face like something really bad could happen right now. Yeah. And again, they they handle all that stuff phenomenally. Uh, Fantastic directing. Great artwork. Uh, even whenever they goof around with chibis, I really do like it because it really does kind of fit mine's nature um, and a lot of the side characters. A lot of the comedy was just fantastic whenever it does kind of pop its head out there. 
it just nails it um, just because each of the characters that are kind of butting heads in the comedy are just uh, that close to each other and they can feel, they feel like they can kind of, you know, wrestle with each other a little bit. Uh, it's just a fantastic series. I, I really did love it. I didn't find really any faults in this series. It, I think besides um, Babylon, uh, it is probably easily the show of the year for me. So not just the season, the show of the year for me. Um, I did fight for it to get into the anime awards. Don't, don't even get me wrong there. Um, but yeah, it, I, but unfortunately I think it was one of those shows where very few people watched it. And that's a, that's a shame because I think we were pretty much tooting the horn for it in our first impressions and really trying to get people to watch. I, I was posting literally almost every single week until of course, unfortunate things happened last year in December. Uh, I was posting like every week, you know, mine, like little screenshots of mine and, and Lutz doing something adorable and going, Oh my gosh, he's too cute. <laughs> my, my mine ex Lutz, uh, posts of the week, every single week, whenever we watched it, I had to post a picture of them doing something adorable together. Cause they were just way too cute. Um, easily probably the romance of the year too. You think so? They're adorable. Too cute. That is for yeah. fact. I know that I am never going to ever do enough justice to the show, so I'll just probably stop now. I don't blame you. No, no. Otherwise, we'll just gush for in the next 30 minutes. But thankfully, in spring 2020, we can gush some more. There we go. So hopefully. So they can. Like, so, so suddenly it becomes so a terrible can, show. Mine can d- dominate two years worth of deliberations. If mine is still alive. <laughs> question mark oh no anyways um yeah fantastic show uh highly recommend it um I, I guess the only thing i can really say is if you just don't like fantasy shows, and that's that's the funny thing too is like i didn't i didn't even want to say that it was an isekai because it doesn't feel like an isekai and i think that's probably due to the fact that she is possessing mine's body and takes in the memories of mine. She basically becomes mine. She only, her name is Urano, by the way, they did reveal her name. Oh yeah, I know they did, but I just didn't put it on the outline. So, (laughs) and she didn't really say it all the time. Um, even though she does kind of do things like, well, now I'm going to make shampoo and well, she's constantly kind of creating things that were from her time that completely shocks everybody in that world, creating, uh, you know, uh, paper into flowers or, uh, creating a soup or different foods that she knows in the real world, creating cake, uh, trying to create the book in different ways that people there aren't, I think they were saying they create their books out of leather. And so she was trying I, to create it by by paper or sheepskin or something like that. It, yeah, it was really that was the reason why it was so expensive because it wasn't like paper or anything like that. Um, besides the fact that she's creating these modern things in the world and using the fact that she's actually older in mind than mine is mind than what mine is the character of <laughs> the girl, um, which kind of throws people off because she's she's talking more adult like she's able to you know create. Uh, barter with people in an adult way she's not it's not like it's it's kind of like grimgar 
Grimgard, they didn't sit there and dwell on the fact that they were from another world. They just lived in that world. And that's the same thing with this character. She gets put in this body, and she's using knowledge and using her old, more adult self's experience and demeanor to enhance her character, but it has nothing to do with the previous world or even getting out of there. She's never, like, searching for a way to get out of there. She's just there. And so I I do want to get that across to people. It's not any Sekai show, even though it technically is any Sekai show. It's more... It just throws you in this commoner's world. It throws you into her struggle. It throws you into her physical and and uh, social struggles that she's dealing with, economic struggles she's dealing with. And that's really the forefront of the entire show, which is really fantastic. So my public service announcement that don't run away because it's a Sekai. <laughs> I hate that I have to do that for some of these shows. Like, don't let that scare you away. Uh, but yes, uh, Ascendance of a Bookworm. Highly suggest it. Go check it out now, please. Like, I mean, you can even pause us and go watch it right now. I wouldn't be angry at all. Uh, moving on to Fairy Gone Season 2. Yes, I didn't review... Season one because I never finished it because I knew season two was coming and I it was a split core kind of thing so I just waited so I guess you can say this is my review for Fairy Gone season one and two because I just kind of watched it all at once uh, this one ran on uh, Funimation and Hulu ran for twelve episodes the first season core season was twelve episodes as well so twenty four episodes total uh, PA Works was a studio it was an original series done by them the genres are action demons supernatural magic and fantasy. And this one takes place in a world that is kind of, um, I don't know what kind of time period I would put it in, like, uh, I don't know, 19, like, World War, early World War One, I, I guess, kind of technology and everything, uh, world. And the interesting thing about this world is they have these things known as fairies. And at some point, uh, the military, during this big war, decided to start using fairies to enhance humans. So they would create these fairy soldiers by kind of transplanting organs into the humans and making them able to manifest these fairies from their bodies. So a soldier can go out there and they would project the fairy out from themselves. Like I think it's usually from the heart because they always grab their heart and pops out of the heart. And then the the fairy would you know manifest itself and attack the other person. So. Uh, lots of these soldiers were created, and then at some point, the war kind of ended by a uh, ceasefire. But it was kind of... For a lot of these soldiers that are the main characters of this series, there wasn't... It was at a bad time. Like, it wasn't soon enough. Uh, it kind of felt like it was all for nothing. They lost their family members to a war that didn't end on them winning. It ended on them finding a truce, which does upset certain characters like uh, Wilfren Rowe, who is kind of a semi-rival antagonist character to the main guy, uh, Freyanda Bar, who is one of the soldiers. Uh, the main story kind of follows uh, Maria Noel, who is this girl who is, by the first episode, a fairy possessed. So you do have all these people that, you know, have these transplant, made them into fairy soldiers. But she is a rare case where the fairy just went into her body and possessed her. So she's able to manifest it because she was a fairy possessed rather than it being surgically implanted into her. So in the first episode, she ends up running into a girl named Veronica, who she calls Veru. And Veru is a girl that she knew when she was a very young girl in this town that was kind of burnt to the ground by this 
evil man named Ray Dawn, and they were separated at some point. Well, she is reunited with her at this auction where they were auctioning off a page from a fairy diary, I think it was called. So she's trying to stop her, and then Vera runs away with the uh, page. And um, Priyanda Bar, who was there, says, hey, are you from the Mafia? Well, you're a fairy possessed. Do you want to join the um, Dorothea, which is this group of people that are... Basically, a lot of them do have our fairy soldiers, and they go around and they stop crimes that are created by using fairies and all that kind of stuff. So she joins Dorothea in hopes that it can help her. Well, I guess it was technically one of those cases where she can either go to jail or she can join, join Dorothea. Um, but she did find a, find it a way of possibly helping her able to find her lost Veronica, which she's kind of overly obsessed with for quite a majority of the show. <laughs> That's one of the most annoying things about her character is it was like, is there anything to you, Martha, besides Ver? 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 Where's Ver? Where's Ver? Oh, Ver's right there. I need to find Ver. Um, but yeah, that seems to be her... 98% of her motivations as a character is the fact that she wants to find Veronica. Which I guess is my... To get right into the review is my uh, biggest issue with this show in general is that it has a very vast cast. And they're all very unique in their own way, which is really cool. I love love the art design, which, I mean, it's PA work, so that was kind of a given. I love a lot of the character designs. I love the uniqueness of every single character. You can tell they're different people. They all have their own personalities that really do stand out. But unfortunately, with such a big cast, everybody pretty much just has a very single note to them, and that was a lot of the case with most of them. Marla was, I want to find Veronica. Veronica was, I want to kill Ray Dawn. Uh, a free on the bar is I want to stop Wolf on row and Wolf on row is I want to destroy everything. And it just, it seemed like everybody had one sentence to their character story and that was it. I kind of pushed through the first core kind of hoping that there was something like, I mean, you have two aspects of the show that really pushed me to go with it. PA works original, even though I did go through this whole same thing with, um, uh, Sirius Jaeger was that was, was that was what it was called the other the other one they had yeah I think it was Sirius Jaeger. I had the same deal with them it was original PA works and I went with it and I was I was let down. This one I wasn't let down as much as Sirius Jaeger, mainly because the beginning of the second season was really solid. When this show kind of took a step back and really focused on the history of this world. I really loved it. I ate every, I ate it up like crazy. Like when that first that second season hit, I was like, "This is a whole new show. Where was this at? Why didn't we get into this sooner?" And I really did like it. It got into Maria's history, Veronica's history, uh, the the fairies, the very I think what they call the fairy guards, um, the fairies in the forest that was burnt down, Ray Dawn coming in, his whole backstory, all that stuff was absolutely fantastic and. I think I technically had this thing, same thing with uh, Sirius Jaeger, but Sirius Jaeger was like, like half an episode was the backstory, so it wasn't as saving. So I, I guess my my big struggle with these originals, I guess these technically these two originals, is that um, well, I guess technically Kuromokuro had the same issue as a lot of this. There was certain points that were really good. It almost felt like, why do you keep having to do two cores? Just stick with one core. 
because it was really a long show that felt like it shouldn't have been this long. And everything that was in the current times for Fairy Gone wasn't that interesting. The political stuff was very, very simple and didn't feel like it needed to spend that much time on every single point that it was trying to hit. It felt very, the current time stuff was very, um, you kind of, seen things coming from a mile away everybody's decision that they make you could have predicted it because it was it was playing very much by the book and so none of it really surprised me it wasn't that interesting um even when certain characters kind of double cross certain people it didn't surprise me so i i really do struggle with it it looks great i didn't like the cgi fairies that was a huge stain on it as well um, love the characters, the character designs. Wish there was more to each character, but again, too big of a cast. Um, had its moments of good points. I would probably say a good quarter of the show was solid. It's just the other 75% of it was good action with very mediocre story and plot points. A lot of the political stuff was very boring. So, yeah, it's it's a struggle for me. I, I really did want to enjoy it, but it didn't all work for me, so... There you go. Very gone. Yeah. It's gone. Yeah, I tried to get a joke in there. It didn't work. So, <laughs> Do the next one, and then we can come back to this. Let's skip Vinland Saga. You want me to skip Vinland Saga and come back? Don't let me forget to come back to Vinland Saga. I'm going to get messages, like, tomorrow, like, you guys skip Vinland Saga, by the way. You never came <laughs> back to it. Dr. Stone. We'll do Dr. Stone next. This one is... Uh, Streamed on Crunchyroll and Funimation. It ran for 24 episodes. It already has a second season confirmed, which is great. Uh, studio was TMS, Inter- TMS Entertainment. Sources of manga. Genres are adventure, sci-fi, and shonen. Uh, the creator of this manga is Richiro Inagaki, who did Ice Shield 21, which totally explains the artwork. Uh, but yes, this one follows Senku. I guess it technically followed Senku and Taiju at the very beginning. There was current times uh senku was constantly working in the lab at school trying to create something because he's a genius and senku kept going off about the fact that he's gonna finally finally get up the courage to go confess to his love for a long time which is well it wasn't very that long uh this love that he met which is yuzu rihu and um as Taiju is going to confess to her, and as Sinku's working in the lab, suddenly a bright light shines off in the distance, and everybody is turned to stone. Everybody in the world, it seems, is turned to stone. And at some point, it kind of it kind of jumps to um, it kind of follows Taiju as he's kind of thinking about the fact that he's going to live through this and finally confess to Yuzu. <laughs> and uh, what was it, three thousand or something years pass? Yep. And finally, Taiju, the stone on him just cracks away and he finally is revived. And again, like I said, it's like over 3,000 years in the future. Everybody still around him is is still in stone. Uh, everything is covered with vegetation again. Uh, plant life is taking over the world again. And um, he quickly bumps into Senku, who apparently has been awake for a while. And he's like, Hey, dude, what took you so long kind of thing? And Senku kind of reveals to uh, Taiju that he is currently trying to rebuild civilization. Because we'll find out later that Senku 
his whole thing was that he was looking forward to in the future going to space. And so he is his big master plan is to basically save everybody, remove the stone curse from the world and push science forward to the point that he can go off into space. So, and so they kind of over time figure out how to cure the stone, uh, that is inflicting everybody and at some point revives a very strong guy that can punch out lions named Zagasa. And then it kind of turns to a point where you have a disagreement of how the future should be. Senku wants to kind of advance science, eventually get to the point where he can go off in space. And Sukasa just wants to kill all adults. He doesn't want to he doesn't want Senku to revive the adults that are stoned. I mean, he goes around and he just basically just knocks off the heads of the stone statues that are adults because some stupid guy at a coastline was mean to him. So he wants to kill adults because adults are bad, uh, even though eventually he will be an adult. But that, that, <laughs> stop thinking. <laughs> Let's put that aside. <laughs> so anyways, they have a falling out. And so you have this whole thing where Senku goes off to this. Uh, he finds a village of people who apparently... Uh, you kind of find out later why they're there and tries to sway them with science and try to create an army of science. Well, over here, Tsukasa is using the remedy that Senku revealed to him to uh, create an army of people who will not progress science to counter Senku. He wants Senku dead. So, yes, Dr. Stone, what's your thoughts? I This, this show actually really kind of surprised me. I... Not that it – I mean, shonen's generally I enjoy myself when I'm watching a good shonen, and and this one is a shonen. Make no doubts about it. What impressed me is that this show actually pulls off turning science into an overpowered <laughs> ability, which I would have never expected that, and it's – it it was so well done, and it's not like you're sitting here going, "Oh well, that 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 okay." But it's it it really is just a cheesy. I I know how to make a soda, and how does a soda work? You're gonna have to watch the show to figure out how the soda works. But it, I love that they pulled this off, and and it's so much fun to see how they're they're doing all this and. I really can't wait to see what they're going to do when they actually do have a uh, a war per se. It's it's so much fun. I really ha- enjoyed myself watching this show. I highly suggest it. It was very odd how the show managed to make science fun and interesting. Like, how can you make? And this is and th- and this will get into. It technically is a negative for me, but. It is odd how you can have a show that goes through, like, it seemed like, what, eight or so, probably more episodes, eight episodes of just creating a phone and make it entertaining. <laughs> like, like how can you create eight episodes of a guy trying to create a phone from scratch and make it something you sit through every single week and aren't bored? I don't know. It, it is, it is mind boggling by mind boggling to me that this show actually works. Like twenty four episodes of sitting through, just 
where a good 75% of it is just literally creating things. And the other 25% is characters and just struggles or moving or uh, conf- uh, conflicts that happen, that kind of stuff. And then back into the science stuff again, which is just absolutely mind-boggling. It really does kind of push me the idea that the writer was just an absolute science dork because you kind of see that passion in just creating things, which is, is funny because it also is a show that makes me really appreciate the things that we take for granted. <laughs> like like the fact that you can go and you can pop open a little uh, jar and pull out a pill and just pop in your mouth. You don't have to spend, you know... <laughs> several several seasons trying to create a basic medicine and that is that is something that is really cool about it i now i i kind of struggled when he was talking about he was gonna make a quote-unquote cell phone but it technically wasn't a cell (laughs) phone he made so much fun of that cell phone thing (laughs) i'm like there's no way he's gonna create circuitry and then create an lcd panel this is not gonna work and they kept showing (laughs) a smartphone when he's talking about making a phone i'm like Yo, you're not going Make to create a the cell phone. phone. You're not, you're not going phone. to do that. You can't sell me on it. You could, you sold me on the medicine. You sold me on the soda. You sold me on the power. The cotton candy machine. Light bulbs, uh, <laughs> vacuum tubes, everything. But you're not going to sell me on an LCD panel. You can even sell me on a circuit board, but you're not going to sell me on an LCD panel. Anyways, um, but that was it. It, it, is, it is kind of funny, though. It, it's... It's a solid show. I, I love all the characters. They're a lot of fun. Um, a lot of creativity in this one. This is another one of those ones where all the characters look very distinct and different. Uh, their personalities just pop out of every single one of them. I absolutely love them. I I, I don't even technically hate Sukasa. He, he's, he's a cool looking character. Uh, even all the people on his side look really cool. I, I, I am very, very curious as to where we're going to go with that and, and how they're going to, uh, if they're actually going to war, what, how, how that's all going to resolve. It's, it's very interesting because they have some I think very gonna, unique I think he's just going to win over the other side. Yeah, I and think Sukasa he's going to win He's going to walk away with his head down. I think he's going to get defeated by his own people. But that, that's really what it is, is the entire thing. The earlier segment of it was really kind of around that. Yeah, that conflict between Senku and Tsukasa. But for a majority of that time up at that point, it is about uh, kind of rebuilding society, uh, jumping forward thousands of years just by his brain. And then it quickly jumped. And it's really cool because at some point they kind of uh, I think it was Taiji points out this idea that, no, we can't lose you because you're mankind's knowledge. Like, you are the future's knowledge. Like, you're the only one left that can rebuild us to where we were. And I was like, wow, that technically makes sense. He, And, yeah, he is a, like, way overly brainiac character that shouldn't exist. But it's cool that he's, like, this this massive – maybe it was Chrome that said that because he kind of turned around and told Chrome that he's smart as well. Um, but it's really cool this idea that this that he's like this database of information that you just you can't lose. <laughs> you don't want to lose this database because he can bring us back up into the modern times. That's everything that we've lost up to this point. Um, but yeah, it, it was funny because like when we watched the first previews and everything of it, I was very afraid that it was going to turn into just by the PV. It looked very because it shows shots of Sukasa and he's doing crazy stuff of feats and stuff like that, and I'm like. Crap! Is this going to turn into a literally a shonen where it's just maybe they 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 turn to stone, went to the future, and then they have superpowers? And then somebody on the forums, I think it was Miss One for Five, or somebody said, "No, don't worry about it. It's going to be about rebuilding society," which is exactly what I wanted. Um, now, 
I said earlier that this is part of my my negative for the show as well. But I say that with a huge caveat. It's a negative that does not make me not like the show. I absolutely love this show. The negative is that it's odd that when I f- step back from 24 episodes and I realize <laughs> it's odd that it doesn't seem like really much has been accomplished. <laughs> we literally went from we broke out of the stone, Senku Sukasa has an argument, Senku goes to this island of, of these villagers, and then we proceed to spend, it seems like, probably... Spent about six episodes winning them over. I think it was about 20 of the 24 episodes is literally him working with that island, trying to win them over, and then trying to build a cell phone. We literally went 24 episodes, and we had we one got, conflict, went we, over an we, island, we had the, we and had then the, built a cell phone. We had the medicine, too. Right. That was winning over the island. Uh, okay. He built the medicine, I, 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 and that went over the people, so... Not to say that nothing happened, because like I said, you're it's it's technically sprinkling and building bonds with these people. It's developing these characters. We're learning that Kinru has sight issues and but wants to to protect the island. You you learn that Chrome likes Rudy. You learn that Kohaku, all the things that Kohaku did to help our sister. You're you're finding out about uh, what happened while everybody was a stone. I'll just say that I don't want to spoil anything, but they kind of have this whole segment of revealing some things that happened since the point everybody turned to stone to the point that Senku woke up, which is really cool. I love the Hunter story thing. All that kind of stuff was fantastic. It is a really creative story, but I just, I'm like I said, you kind of realize that not really much happened, even though technically a lot has happened. So I don't want to say that, even though I'm saying that as a negative, I'm not really saying that it affects my like of the show at all. It was a really fantastic show. It's just one of those shows that at the end I'm going, I just realized we haven't really solved that much, even though technically we've done a crap ton. So it's a it's a fascinating show because it does so many things with so little. It does a lot with a little. Right. It does it it does really fascinating things with things that should be boring and it's extremely entertaining. It it pulls off every time something happens, every time they succeed at something, it, it has this great soundtrack that just ramps up and really does enhance that celebratory sensation that these people have when they overcome things. It is a kick when Senku get getting smug and just actually yeah, I'm I'm just that awesome and it's like how are you pulling this off? He is kind of a jerk. <laughs> he is a jerk. And so funny somebody's like, I like Senku, but he's a jerk to his dad. I'm like, yeah, technically he is a jerk <laughs> to his dad. <laughs> he was a jerk to his dad. Um yeah, the only other thing is like you you do have to suspension of disbelief to like all of Sukasa's side because it's like who the hell is he reviving? There's like these people that seem like they're from some other timeline. Like he's, is he reviving people from a, a, a like a fantasy world? Like yeah, this cool this guy that's got like some insane spearman ability. He's got some stupid dorky cloak on. Uh, Everybody he's reviving look like they're. 35 year olds like muscle builders and but it's they like have i thought to be that he they're, they're they're definitely 16 because he <laughs> wants to kill all adults remember no, that's that. my thing it's like suddenly i know where this army of what look like big buff adults come up and i'm like wait doesn't sukasa hate adults these aren't 12 year olds um so you do have to kind of put that aside as well but 
yeah, I, I definitely do look forward to more of it. I'm glad it's got a second season. I, I enjoyed it thoroughly all the way through. Um, I just, I don't get why I love it so much. And I guess because it makes, it makes weird things very fun. So there you go. Cool. Cool show. Check it out. If you will, Dr. Stone. Cool little show. Cool show. I'm going back. Yes. <laughs> going back to Vinland Saga. So Vinland Saga. So Vinland Saga. This one streamed on Amazon. Ran for 24 episodes. Done by Studio Wit Studio. Sources of manga. Genres are action, adventure, historical, drama, seinen. Series composition and scriptwriter was Hiroshi Seko, who did Ajin, Mob Psycho 100, and Seraph the End. And the creator is Makoto Yukimura, who did Planetas. So, cool stuff there. Um, this takes place during the time of the Vikings. Um, as I kind of mentioned in our first impressions, if you love Vikings, the the whole aspect of Vikings, or you like the Vikings TV show, uh, this is an anime version of it. Go watch it with the people that did like Attack on Titan, so how can you lose? Uh, fantastically, visual-wise, the representation of the armor and weaponry is just very awesomely done, very historical. Uh, follows a boy named Thorfinn at the very beginning, who is a son of a guy named Thor's. And Thor's, as you kind of realize in the very first scene, as he is somebody that used to be in the military or part of the Vikings or something. I think later on it kind of more goes in the idea that he was a part of a, a military crew. At some point, Thor's kind of broke away from that, ran away, abandoned his post, so to speak, and started raising a family in the far, very, very far north. And at some point, as Thor's is kind of being wrote back into rejoin the army, he leaves off with uh, Thorfinn and a few other people, and at some point is confronted by a man named Askelad. And Askelad is a mercenary who pretty much does everything for money. And he is kind of instructed to kill Thor's and challenge him to a duel and they fight. At some point, Thorfinn is separated from Thor's, uh, ends up on one of the boats of Askeladd's. And I guess I don't really want to, I don't want to dance around. I guess soft spoilers. I, I If you look at reading the manga or watching the show, it's technically an important thing to review most of this show for you. Uh, so if you plan on doing that, you can cut me off at this point or skip forward a couple seconds. Uh, Thoris is killed by Askeladd's kind of band of men. And uh, Thorfinn ends up on one of the boats of Askeladd as he leaves with his band of merry men. And Thorfinn is very young at this point, but he is full of rage and wants to get revenge for his dad and kill Askeladd. So this kind of turns into this old whole deal where you're... You went from kind of following Thor's and his family up in the north and kind of transforms into following this man named Oskolod as he takes his band of mercenaries and does different things in different locations, typically overthrowing keeps or just destroying uh, raiding villages, all this kind of stuff, with Thorfinn in tow constantly wanting to challenge Oskolod to a duel because... His father was a very honorable man. He feels that the only way that he can kill Askeladd is in a fair duel, and he loses every single time. So, while the show was absolutely gorgeous, the directing is phenomenal, the visuals are fantastic, music is breathtaking, 
for majority of the very beginning segments, it really is kind of this whole boring thing where you're watching Thorfinn just kind of throw a hissy fit, try to beat Askeladd, get his butt kicked, go back to pouting, still follow Askeladd as Askeladd is doing different things. At some point, Thorfinn, of course, hanging out with this band, eventually gets to the point where he's useful to Askeladd. If he wants a duel from Askeladd, he has to actually do something that Askeladd wants, and as a reward, Askeladd will allow him to duel him again. And so you had Thorfinn kind of learning to fight. He kind of gets on this more kind of uh, duel dagger, very uh, quick, very dexterous kind of uh, fighting style, you know, running around the opponent, just jumping on them and slashing their throats very quick. And amongst all these Vikings are, are, you know, wielding gigantic axes and swords and armor and all the kind of stuff around him. So it is kind of cool in the idea that you start turning in more into Thorfinn is doing these things, uh, assassinating uh, generals on the battlefield while Askeladd is assisting or, or doing things for money, taking out keeps and stuff. And so it was kind of um, it was kind of a letdown at this point because I wasn't really too into it. I got I thought Thorfinn. I think technically for the the entire twenty four episodes, Thorfinn is very un, un very annoying. I hated him to death. His story sucked. <laughs> but at some point, I realized that Askeladd was the main character of technically these two cores. Askeladd's story was where it was all at. At some point, he runs into a guy named Canute, uh, And Canute was a prince who was uh, technically supposed to be killed by assassins by his father. Uh, his father didn't care for him and wanted him dead. And but he survived, and then Askeladd pretty much realizes who Canute is and wants to essentially use him. Uh, basically, promises to protect Canute, and then it turns into this kind of pairing between the two of them. And then at some point, it reveals who Askeladd is, gets into his backstory, and why he desires to do what he wants to do, and why he's helping Canute, and that's where everything gets really, really deep. Very intriguing, and the substance really starts to pour out from the show. And that's where it kind of, I was like, I'm glad I got to that point because I was like, wow, I could have totally dropped this show a long time ago and never kind of gotten to this point. It really did kind of open up from that point. Uh, getting into him, how he's helping Canute, uh, going on into Canute's desire to kind of uh, take over from his father, and all the way to the end. And was, what was odd is that even though, again, like I said, Askeladd turned into the main character, even though Thorfinn technically seems like he's the one that's on the front of the cover, you do realize at the very end of the 24 episodes that, oh, that's why I hated Thorfinn so much and liked all these other characters. It's like a prequel story to Thorfinn. Because at the end of the 24 episodes... It jumps forward in time, and it looks like Torfin's not an idiot kid anymore, and it seemed like that's when the story really starts. So, <laughs> it's like this really goofy thing. When I got to the last of the 24 episodes, I'm like, wait, so this entire two cores was just a prequel story to, I'm assuming, what Vinland Saga is actually supposed to be about? I don't know. I guess it would leave it to people that are uh, into the manga or whatever well, if it kind of jumps they- forward and it turns into something better with Thorfinn, but... He really seemed like baggage the entire two cores of this. 
the the at the very beginning of the, in the parts that I had seen, they were talking about what Vinland was, and where they went was not Vinland. Yeah, they ain't got a Vinland. So, <laughs> it, I mean, it really does get into like the Norsemen. It gets into the Vikings. It gets into the um, it it touches a little bit on the Wales. I mean, it gets into the lineages of uh, Arth King Arthur. There's a lot of bad blood, of course, because there's all these kind of warring groups. There's the brutes. There's the the noblemen. They're all kind of fighting over land. And in the middle of it, you have this band of mercenaries who are kind of uh, using one side or the other and then eventually realizing that they want to get more involved with certain side because of what Oskola, what what is Oskolod's past. So it was really cool. Like I said, loved Oskolod's story. Um, I... And I, apparently I'm not alone in this one. And apparently it's people say that it's the same for the manga readers. Knut's character progression was very abrupt and didn't seem right. I mean, I understood it, but apparently, like I said, the, the source novel or the source material was no different. It was very kind of poorly executed, I guess. But yeah, I love it to death. I, I, I really did love this show. I just think it sucked how bad Thorfinn's story was. And every time he technically was on scene, besides when he was being a badass on the battlefield, it was cool. But for the most part, it just, it was a very insuffer- insufferable character to kind of follow when all these other characters were so much better. And um, it turned into something that was really fantastic, <laughs> really phenomenal last episode, even though it kind of left me going, wait. Wait, time jump, then you're going to cut off? <laughs> I don't know if they're going to continue doing more of it. Hopefully they will. I haven't seen any confirmation on it, but I I, I don't know. I mean, I, anything I say is probably going to spoil things, so I'm not going to say if reasoning for wanting or not wanting a, a sequel season. So we'll just we'll just leave it at that. Uh, Thorkill was a lot of fun. I, I really didn't like Thorkill at first because he was... Yeah, technically in the opening segments of the first episode, you had people chopping like three people in half with an axe in one swing. But Thorkill was like that moment of going, okay, reality. Even though, like I said, the setting, the armor, the weapons, everything was so faithful to the time. Thorkill was like picking up gigantic tree logs and shucking them at boats and you're like oh wait never mind reality just went out the window uh there are certain okay. points where to, the the superhuman to, element kind of goes wait you know you're not supposed to be that strong as a human to to be clear okay we there 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 is you know people that are picking up logs and throwing them that's not what Thorkill was doing he was hurling them like Degum uh javelins. Yeah, like javelins. <laughs> like he had like fifteen people walking up with this gigantic tree trunk and he goes Prip, throw. <laughs> I'm like, wait. Okay, sure. Alright. Uh-huh. We'll go with that. And then you have like uh Bjorn who like just pops mushrooms and starts slamming people through boats and stuff. It's there's certain points where you do have to suspend some disbelief. But it's mainly through Thorco. It's, 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 but... it's embellishment. It's embellishment. Yeah. Enhances a little bit, but yeah, fantastic adaptation by them. I I really do want more. Had some some lulling in the very first core, but 
once once you start getting to Askeladd, it really does get fantastic, and I I really did enjoy it all the way to the end of, after that point. So it was a, it was a, it was a it was a very huge um, had some hesitation <laughs> in the first core, so I'm really happy it picked up and really did take off. So if you get to that point, just know it gets better and it really does take off. So cool stuff, Vinland Saga. Check it out if you will. Unfortunately, it's on Amazon, which where all anime goes to die. <laughs> so not many people probably watch it. It was nice, though, because there was a lot of people that I was trying to get to watch it who I know watch Vikings. And so it was really easy for to tell them, well, you have an Amazon Prime account, right? Yeah, sure. Go watch it. But the unfortunate thing is, since it's on Amazon, it's probably never going to get a dub unless somebody buys a license to, to make a Blu-ray out of it. So I might have to wait for that before I can recommend it to people like our brother. Our brother. I was really trying to get him to watch it, but no dub. So, yeah. All right. Our last one we have is didn't I say to make my ability abilities didn't I say to make my abilities average in the next life or watashi nyoryoku nyoryoku wa heikinchi de te ita yone and that one was streaming on Crunchyroll ran for 12 episodes done by project number 9 the sources light novel and the genres are comedy and fantasy and this one follows a girl named Maidu. And Maidu is another case of Isekai. <laughs> another unfortunate incident of Truckoon, I believe, as well. Maybe I'm getting mixed up. Was. Did uh, Mine die from a truck, too? Yeah, I think they both died from a truck. I don't remember. It's hard to remember. <laughs> Anyways. Um, She's definitely a truck because she saved the little girl. I thought they both did. I'm not sure about mine. I do know she did because that's why they gave her such overpoweredness. That was her. Well, yeah, reward. they felt. Well, no, it was. I thought with with Milo, they they kind of felt bad about it, like it was like a, like an un, un shouldn't have happened or something like that. That's possible. Uh, but she was because she had they they were they were giving her blessing because she had done that. Anyways. Kind of follows the girl uh, mile, and um, even though she was recreated in this world, at some point she realizes what kind of happened. That she did, she was isekai, and she was given these nano machines and told that she, you know she can have whatever she wants. She's like, no, I want, I want to be average in this world because I guess apparently in her previous world she was kind of uh, very smart and caused a lot of conflict in the fact that she was so smart in things. And so she didn't want to stand out anymore. So she wants to be average. And uh, I guess, you know, very, very minor spoilers here in the first couple episodes you find this out. Uh, the reason why she's so powerful in this world, as you kind of find out quickly that she's really overpowered, is that they kind of adjusted her to be average in this world, a world that has dragons who are extremely powerful. So she's you know, average of a dragon, which is pretty much average of the old elder super. Yeah. The elder dragons who are like super overpowered. And I guess that would technically <laughs> anyways. Um, so yeah, she's, she's trying to be very, very average in this world. But even though every now and then she runs in situations where she kind of have to use her abilities and you kind of realize that she's really super overpowered. But for the most part, she's kind of trying to keep a low key, uh, doesn't want to stand out to anybody. And um, at some point, she meets Mavis, Pauline, and Rena as they're trying to search for somebody to help somebody out. 
and they eventually go to a school to train adventurers and end up in the same group. And so they form a team and go out on adventuring together. And um, Milo kind of shows, kind of assists the other two or the other three of them by kind of showing them ways they can improve their abilities. So it's kind of cool in the idea that it's not just one character being overpowered. They kind of try to help enhance the other ones so they can kind of stand on their own. So it's not always her being the, the one that saves the day kind of thing. So yeah, just kind of a, a little goofy, uh, cute girls doing cute things, fantasy type setting show thoughts. Yeah. I love this show. Uh, it very gorgeous. Uh, all of the backgrounds I think had a kind of a watercolorish, uh, aspect to it uh some very very wonderful uh character artwork um the absolutely intriguing storyline even though it was really really kind of fun in the way that they were pulling a lot of this stuff off like like andrew was mentioning the kind of average between the um the the most powerful elder dragon to the the lowest of whatever and kind of making her just really super overpowered over pretty much all things except for most elder dragons, which she starts bumping into problems with. It's just a lot of fun. Um, And one of the things that's really cool about this is even though she is technically OP, she offsets that by wanting to be so, so average that she ends up kind of offsetting the, I'm overpowered, but I really, really don't want to be. I want to be normal. And so that really is kind of the fun thing that they pull off as far as how they offset that. Yeah, it was like I was saying where she kind of tries to help the other ones learn a way to kind of enhance themselves because she doesn't want to always stand in the front line all the time because she doesn't want to show off. But yeah, whenever something really bad happens, that's when she technically does kind of show her true abilities. But at the same time, there's always a lot of times where they kind of put the other characters into some kind of danger, which, again, kind of goes back to the discussion about um, uh, Cautious Hero, as this one's another one of those ones where, like, out of nowhere, it gets, like, really, really dark <laughs> with certain characters, and it's like, wait, wait, where, why is this in my fluffy cute girl and cute girls doing cute things? You're not allowed in here. This isn't supposed to be in here. Uh, like, Reina's little backstory was like, okay, that's kind of traumatizing. And then it really gets into her kind of really struggling with the idea that she really wants to kill these people because she knows that it's going to be another situation that she dealt with when she was a kid and she doesn't want it to happen again. And so you're kind of putting that conundrum of like, okay, here's my cute characters. And now they're dealing with struggles. Like, should I kill this band of people because I don't want this to happen again situation? (laughs) I don't, and it's funny because I don't think it ever really does get that dark again. I, I mean, they even they they took time to get into each one of the characters. Yeah, technically Pauline's whole story was a little bit serious, but it wasn't like in a situation of like life or death. Mavis was a situation wasn't really really wasn't a life and death situation. It's so funny that they kind of put Mavis and yeah, Pauline together. <laughs> I was about to say Mavis and Pauline technically were in the same same arc, but. Yeah, and it, it it was a little bit funny at the very end. It did kind of, it did kind of oddly open up in a interesting way. They kind of expanded the world out of nowhere, and I'm like, 
okay, I don't know why we're bringing this up now in the last episode, but I it wasn't a big deal, but it was it was one of those situations like, okay, cool, the party goes off in the sunset because there's this thing that Milo wants to actually, uh, uh, you know, kind of check out. But with, again, a cute girls doing cute things series, it's not like it was that big of a deal that I'm not upset about it kind of thing. So, yeah, it was a, it was a fun show. It, it just, it was just, Overall, like I said, besides Reina's whole backstory and how extremely dark and depressing that was, for the most part, it was just a very fun, fluffy, cute girls doing cute things in a fantasy world with um, with some solid comedy put throughout the entire thing. And there was, yeah, there was certain aspects of it that kind of was like, yeah, okay, that joke's been done before. Yeah, I understand that Pauline's very crafty and wants to make money. But overall, I did enjoy it. And I, I got a kick out of her time that Maya would do something that was really kind of over the top or or crafty or interesting or makes ninjroids and everybody else is kind of like, why, how the hell do you do that? Or how do you pull this off? Or how did you know that? And he would kind of pop out and say, no, it's a family secret. I can't tell you kind of thing. <laughs> Cause she like, got away with it once. And she, so everything is covered up by family secrets. Yeah. At some point at the very end, they're like, Oh, it's a family secret, right? Okay. Got it. Um, it was fun. It was a very surprising series. Um, did pull off a lot of great stuff. And I don't, I don't think I was ever really bored watching the show. And it's always a, an awesome thing with, with the cute girls doing cute things. Cause you don't really expect too much out of them, but it, it gave me plenty. So solid, solid little cute girls doing cute things. It'll, it'll be up there on the list for the year. Positively. So yes. Yep. All right. That's uh didn't I say to make my abilities average in a, another light or the next life. Sorry. That's it. That's all we have for this episode. It's all the ones that we're covering for this, this season. I, I guess I can let you guys know Spoiler what's coming up next episode, so you know if the show you're looking for is there. No, because you have to watch the next one, or listen to the next one, just to know if you're going to get it. Now, next one, I got uh, Assassin's Pride, Kimono, Michi, Rise Up, Stars Align, Nolan Peta, Fire Force, uh, Sword Art Online, Allization, War of Underworld. I'm, I'm expecting Bokobin 2, question mark. Which one's Bokobin? Uh, the kids that are smart. Um, we never learn. I'll put that as a tentative. Probably not. If I'm going to catch up on uh, Assassin Pride for sure, though. All right. Grand Blue Fantasy, the second season. My Hero Academia. We'll do a mid-season on My Hero Academia. Uh, Welcome to the Demon World. Era Makun, I'm guessing. I kind of want yeah, caught up I'm, on I'm, I'm I'm caught up on that. Well, mostly caught up. Fate Grand Order, Absolute Demonic Front Babylonia. Blade of the Immortal, um, Ahiro no Sora, and I'm hoping Babylon's done, but I don't think it's going to be done, so I'm going to put that as a, a mid... I don't know. I, don't, I, I might talk... Yeah, I do want to talk about it, but I might have to just record that on the side as a review because they screwed up and wanted to finish it in January. I don't know why. So, there you go. That's that's all we're going to do for, for the next one. If we didn't get the show that you really love, I apologize. But, um, yeah. Like I said, next week we'll do the review, too. Um, I don't know if we're going to possibly maybe slip it in there or somewhere else. We'll do our recording for our deliberations for Best of 2019 Anime. And, like I mentioned in a previous podcast, I do want to do a Best of the Decade. So look forward to that. And then eventually we will get on into music episodes and back in the usual rigmarole. So it's good to be back. Hope you guys, um, I guess, 
I, I guess technically with the holiday season, most people are busy anyway, so hopefully you guys didn't miss us too much. Yeah, right. <laughs> Though I do wonder if there's certain people that constantly, you know, send us messages saying, thanks so much for making my work day so much better or my, my travel so much better. And it's like, what did they do with it? Hopefully they didn't find somebody to replace us to, to fill in that gap. Because <laughs> I, I do have that aspect as well. As well I, I'm, I would I'm traveling, that- I want something to listen to. I would assume that a lot of, I mean, I would do that. Um, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts while I'm working, but I, if I had time off, I, all that would do is just build up in my podcast list. So yeah, but this, it's when they find somebody to replace us. That's the scary part. And they delete us. I, that's why I wanted to release the little ones. So they know that it's not a dead podcast. It's not a dead podcast. Yeah. Um, because and, my overcast will mark you as dead in a second. Yeah, they'll be like, you haven't listened to this one in a while. Do you want to get rid of this one? So, yeah, again, appreciate to, uh, appreciation to everybody for their support during our troubled times and um, and understanding for this time off. Um, and, again, thanks to all of our Patreon supporters who continue to support us through uh, financial donations so that we can pay for the hosting and everything for the podcast and the website. So. Again, we're at TakuSpirit.com. You can go to the front of anime, new and old. Great community in the form links at the top. Social media links to the right side and all that good stuff. And we thank you all for listening. And we hope you all take care. Oh,